Hello, dear ones, loved ones, all the cute ones, all the responsible ones, all the naughty ones, all the shitty ones. <laughs> we love you all the same because everybody is doing the best they can in this really treacherous landscape of human life. And, um, yeah, we do give everybody a break because of that, because of the ac absolute intensity and psychological, uh, just how terrifying it is to be human. We give people a break because of that. We give them a break on a personal level, um, even while holding people accountable for their behavior. But we still hold a place of, well, this is my my goal, my aim at all times is to hold a space that people are really doing the best they can and that ultimately the behavior of other people is not personal. It's not about me. I may happen to be in the line of fire. I may happen to be within the reach of these extensions and behaviors that are coming from a place of severe pain, intoxication, um, and I don't just mean intoxication from liquor and stuff like that. I mean intoxication from the addictions of life. And uh, we try to hold a space where we are just um, able to consider why. Why the world looks the way that it looks. And what our place is within that. And if it behooves us to live in a way that is... Um, constantly afraid of the juxtaposition of the pain of life along with these senses that we get of touching on something truly infinite, truly like amazing feeling in our senses, something truly spiritual. And so we're asked to hold these different parts of ourselves, parts of our lives, energies, experiences, um, at the, at the same time. And that can be enough to drive anybody fucking crazy <laughs> on its own, right? That's life. That's so, it's so hard to do that. Um, that could be a reason why somebody is behaving poorly just on its own, just because to, to hold those two, um, those two different, diff totally different ideas in our mind of like the the human experience and the and the infinite experience. Um, it's a very, very, very difficult line to walk, and it takes what I think is a lot of discipline, a lot of discipline. Um, and um, discipline I've seen in my life. My r chart is ruled by Saturn. So obviously discipline was something that um, I've experienced every extreme of. I, extremed, uh, I experienced extreme discipline when I was small um, till I was about 15 years old. Um, the type of limitation that really crushes somebody's uh, spirit. And then I experienced no limitation, no discipline which also crushed my spirit in another way because I was a drug addict and I had no limitations when it came to sex and f 
whatever kind of behavior it was that I was experiencing. And then bringing back in discipline and spirituality in a way that um, actually felt good, felt like good limitation, felt like good discipline. Um, that is something that I have played with in many different aspects over the last uh, 15 years, playing with it from, you know, limitations, restrictions, discipline in food and exercise and my spiritual practice and uh, sobriety and alcohol, you know, sobriety from drugs and consuming alcohol um, and sex. And um, I found that discipline and limitation work when they are something that you are able to see as a practical tool in your life um, that's there to support you instead of something that's there to stop you from having a good time and restrict you. I do find that in Leo season, we often tap into some of those, um, you know, we're really trying to enjoy more of life and Leo is very much about enjoying more of life. And um, sometimes we're tapping into just like what a lack of discipline looks like. And then we've got Virgo season that swoops in and says, all right, well, let's get organized. And, you know, Virgo has its own ups and downs too. It can be discipline and it can be total criticism and nitpicking and, um, you know, the the painful side of when we are trying to apply discipline from the wrong motivations, right? And so a lot of times I talk to my clients too, like when we are, when we are eating right, when we are moving our bodies, when we are doing our spiritual practice, it's not to get a result. And that is counterintuitive for a lot of people because a lot of people are like, well, I got to eat this because I don't want to be fat. And I got to move my body because I want to look a specific way. And if I look a specific way, then I can make my ex jealous or I'll be desirable. These are not the motivations actually for doing any of these things, though. We don't do these things so that we can be um, perfect and desirable and lovable. We do these things because we simply deserve it because our bodies necessitate it. Our bodies necessitate that they get the right nutrients and vitamins. They necessitate that they get the right kind of movement and stretching and, um, you know, support. And we see it in like animals all the time. My cats are constantly stretching and they're constantly doing little spinal twists and, and then they get their exercise. They have their zoomies and they, you know, have their little mad half hour. They get lots of rest they groom themselves. They spend time grooming themselves and taking care of their bodies. Um, and um, But they are addicts for those crunchy snick snacks. I'll tell you that much. So it's not all, they're not all good examples. My cats are little uh, chonk chonks. And, um, but I digress. The point is, is that the things that we're here to do, these ways that we're here to take care of ourselves within this human carrier, um, checking in with the motivation with why we're doing anything is the key. Well, what the fuck was I here to talk about today? I've already forgotten because you know me. I get on these tangents and I start digressing. Um, 
First of all, I want to talk to you about my new uh, office space that I'm opening up. It's in Kingston, New York. And uh, some of you might remember me from working with me in Brooklyn. And, and I, I officially left my space in Brooklyn in 2019, but I had been sort of commuting from upstate New York uh, from 2017. And in 2017, I started to really move my work online remotely, which, you know, worked well to have telehealth and I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I still enjoy it. I mean, that's what I'm still, I still work in that capacity. Um, but some of you might remember my little office that I had. And I just absolutely adored this little office I had in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. And it was on a really busy intersection. It wasn't the most quiet place. Um, it was very small. But every time I walked into this office, just the energy there, it just was such a pick-me-up. It was such a bright little spot. And um, I, I realized that I was ready to move back into my in-person um, sessions. And for a while, I think I really needed that time, that space to myself away from you know, what I talked about in the last, uh, in my last podcast too, away from whatever my motivations were at the time for doing what I was doing and moving into a different type of trust in myself. So when I was working in person sessions and I started in, um, 2012 doing, uh, body work with, uh, individuals doing hands-on, um, healing practice. And, um, you know, at the time, I got a lot out of it because um, it helped me to really secure my the disciplines around my practice. So clearing myself, the intention for sessions, how I would call things in, uh, in a support, how we would release. Um, and it was very helpful to really ha have that hands-on physical connection to the clearing. Whatever I was clearing, I was feeling... Um, it, it was really as if uh, it was passing through me as a vessel. And um, that was awesome for those five years that I was doing that. And I learned so much. And then I realized that maybe I was relying too much on the validation of knowing, remembering what it felt like physically to allow things to pass through and not enough on my, sensor, on my senses where I was just relying on my knowing instead of relying on my senses. I don't know if that makes sense. So in my sessions, I had learned a lot through relying on my senses one-on-one -on -one with people, feeling the vibration through my physical carrier. And then I realized, mm, well, I'm getting a lot of validation from that, but you know, it's not a reason to keep doing something. The motivation here isn't right. I'm, re I'm too reliant on the validation of this information to trust in my own intuition. So I moved into a space of taking a risk and, and moving on into a different way where I had to rely on my internal knowing and knowledge rather than my, my physical um, touch senses. And uh, that really helped me to grow my practice in another way and, and to grow my confidence. And through that time, I also had to, I let go of working with a mentor that I was working with and I, and I moved on to a different mentor and it allowed me the space to really grow in my own, how I was doing things um, in terms of like my healing practice. And um, I really enjoyed it. And in the last year I started doing uh, in-person sessions again and 
it's been great, but I've realized how much I need my own office again, because when I have my own office, um, and I'm not sharing it, um, it's, you know, full of my art and things like that. It's a real vibe that I've set. Um, it's such an enjoyable experience and I just love meeting with people one-on-one -on -one in that capacity. So, um, I am going to start limiting the remote, uh, sessions that I'm doing, um, and the personal energy forecasts, uh, packages that I'm offering. Um, but you can still book those through www.rebeccaconran.com. But some of that is going to start to shift, uh, soon where, um, people who are not kind of like on a package remotely, um, there'll be less maybe, um, availability moving forward. Um, but there'll still be some because I want to, I want to stay connected to folks that don't just live in New York. Um, but I'm really excited for this new chapter. So it's in the Kingston Opera House offices in, in, uh, in Kingston, New York. And Kingston's a really cute town. It's, it's like the biggest upstate town near me that has any kind of like art scene, music scene going on. And, um, yeah, um, it's exciting for me because I'm living in a very small town upstate, uh, which is awesome for just being in the middle of nowhere and nature, but also, um, it is so void of culture. I mean, it's not void of American culture, that's for sure here, but, um, you know, for me, um, just the kind of culture that I want to be around is, um, that inspires me, um, is harder to access here. So I'm excited to kind of be making my little trek over there. The sessions that I'm offering are, um, the psychic reset, which is an energy session where we look at, um, any entities, energy beings around that need clearing. We look at, um, baby beings that are trying to come in or that are, um, need to be kind of released in terms of how somebody's, uh, connection to their own, whether they want to bring beings into the world. We look at, um, any dead loved ones that need, uh, support in being crossed over or just sort of helping them to feel at ease in their new energetic vibration. We look at courting, energetic courting between individuals. Um, and we do, um, yeah, we kind of give a reset to the energy body, um, through, uh, the psychic mystic medium tools. Um, and then I'm still offering my soul astrology, which is a real deep dive into a person's, um, essence, their, their real essence here on earth, um, the purpose that they've chosen for this experience on earth. And we use it looking through the most dynamic parts of the birth chart. Um, and then I'm also offering my mystic life coaching, which is about setting intentions and, and goals and, uh, using the holistic methods of spiritual, practical, emotional, mental, um, to really get clear about, okay, well, I have these things I want to focus on and let's kind of map out how we're going to get there. Um, all of these are available also in packages, um, in six session packages. And, uh, yeah, so this is like the new kind of way that I am, um, moving through the world. Anybody who's worked with me has known that I work as a psychic and a medium, but I don't, uh, I have not before now ever really announced it 
outwardly because I find that the energy behind those kinds of the language is really um, full of what's the word I want to use for it? Um, just like false, just false narrative, false seers, false, um, very wounded um, narrative. I don't really know how to say it. The word Pharisees keeps coming to my mind, but I don't want to just call everybody out and be like, people who are saying they're psychics and mediums are Pharisees. Um, but I, I have been alarmed like at the lack of integrity and the reliance on that kind of information sometimes, you know, like as a practitioner, my, my, the mode I work in is help people to feel validated by their own inner guidance. And, um, I might be able to see all kinds of things about their experience, about their life. And if that is, it's not beneficial for me to act as their savior and act as their foreteller. Um, if that person is not, does not have the inner courage and creativity to actually make things happen for themselves. So I work with people, um, uh, I work with a lot less of the narrative. Um, if I am clearing dark entities with people, sometimes I'm not going to tell them about it. Uh, what I will tell them about is the belief systems that they have internally that are inadvertently calling in energies that are aligning with a self-loathing, a, a low self-worth, a, a, um, past abuse that they've experienced that they've inadvertently subtly aligned with. So in the work I do as a psychic medium, I don't, I, I'm, I've always been, um, kind of like, Hmm, I don't want to advertise myself as this, um, uh, because I don't want to attract, um, people who are looking for like a quick fix. Um, but you know what I've, the messages that I've been receiving, lately are that it's okay for me to claim those words and use them in a way to show how they should really be used. All healing practitioners are here to be of service. Um, I'm not the healer, um, except for when it comes to myself. I'm a healer towards myself. Uh, and I'm a practitioner for everybody else. And I'm there to help them become the best healers that they can be for themselves. And anyone that tells you that they're the person to rely on, they can see what you can't see ultimately, um, is someone to be, um, wary of. Absolutely. And I've had mentors that have come in and told me all kinds of things, people that I had respected at one point. Uh, and, uh, as we spoke about in the, in the podcast last month or last week, whenever it was that I recorded it, um, this is how the dynamic really gets fucked up between practitioners and, um, and clients is when practitioners think of themselves as saviors and then actually a system of abuse occurs. And we see it more in male practitioners. We have seen it more dominated by male practitioners, Bikram, Osho, John of God, but it absolutely exists in female practitioners as well. Um, and the whole spectrum in between of, of how people are identifying. Um, and this is something that really must be, um, we must be very ardent about our own motivations um, so that we don't inadvertently fall prey to people who are just wounded individuals, obviously gifted wounded individuals. 
um, but not everybody with a gift is using it in a play in a way that is ethical and that is in in terms like um, in integrity. And that is why um, certain credentials are really important to have. It's important to go to school about learning counseling and coaching and all of that um, because it's important to know how to work with people in a way that you are protecting them and your and your own wounding is not becoming something that's um, that is being uh, placed into the relationship that you have with that individual. So, that is why uh, I am moving forward and claiming my, uh, these words, they're just fucking words. I mean, they have like whatever meaning that we place on them. But to me, a psychic and a medium is someone who can communicate with the, with, uh, the subtle forms of energy that exist. And everybody can in some degree. When I was very young, I was still connecting in with it, even though I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, and it was very much like, you know, I, I don't think anybody is not a psychic and a medium or an empath in this world. I think everybody has the capacity for it. Um, and I think uh, a lot of practice helps us to define how to use those as tools. And then I think uh, a lot of responsibility helps us to define how we use it in ethical and um and moral ways in the world okay that's my spiel on all that shit um so again www.rebeccaconran.com and that will be linked in the show notes so i want to talk a little bit about the energy coming up here and why um and why i wanted to call this episode energy cannot be destroyed um Energy can't be destroyed. Science has actually shown that. And one of the things that I do find a little bit disruptive at the moment is the Hadron Collider that is currently um, uh, working in overtime and it is examining and studying the God particle and and um, what science is calling the, uh, the God particle. And um, I think because we all are connected energetically, uh, even to the minutest tiny little bit of energy I think that this sort of heavy machinery this heavy hand of humanity on it um, I think we do feel it and I'm certainly not saying that in a in a way that we should be like ah conspiracy it's a conspiracy to to harm us or whatever I think that I think that um uh, it's really just an, an examination and but I do think that any kind of high-powered machinery and ways that we're working with energy has an effect on us as energy beings in a very subtle way. Just like I feel that when, just like the tides have a subtle effect on us, the moon, um, the sun and its flares have a subtle effect on us, um, you know, UV rays have an effect on us. This is just part of our connection to our... Um, to our the external world uh, because it's not really external we're made up of the same material and the material is all connected so I do think that there are um, and that Hadron Collider is going to be running until 2026 and it's just a massive machine that is like putting out a lot of energy and it's it's not only putting out a lot of energy it's um, examining our energy and it's examining the creative particle of something that we are all connected to. So I think that um, there is sort of this uh, a little bit 
little bit disruptive energy going on with that. And whenever we think of invention and we think of like just the magic of science in a lot of ways, we think of Uranus too, because Uranus brings those flashes of insight that um, help us to kind of really put two and two together. It is highly intuitive um, and it is, uh, it's, a, it's really um, an amazing energy if wielded in a, in a conscious way and can be very disruptive and erratic when wielded in a shadow way. So I wanted to look at um, Taurus or uh, Uranus in Taurus retrograding, which is going to happen on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, the 24th. It's going to station retrograde. And this to me, the, a station feels like an intense period. And I think under the umbrella of the sun is going to enter Virgo on Monday, you know, there's something very much, and, and Mercury retrograde is going to um, happen on, uh, we have a, really a succession of just like really um, energies that could really shake up the mind and our communication, how our thoughts are really behaving. So we've got on Monday, the 22nd of August, the sun is entering Virgo, a very mercurial uh, energy, right? Virgo is uh, ruled by Mercury, but also Chiron. And so there's something going on with the wounded thoughts and the way that our thoughts and brains are, are uh, working. And um, when we're in this time period and we can use it either in ways that are practical and supportive and get really organized with how we're caring for ourselves and organizing our thoughts and becoming the master of our minds, or we can see things kind of blown out of proportion during this time. So Monday, the 22nd of August, we've got the sun entering Virgo. Wednesday, the 24th of August, we've got Uranus stationing retrograde. Uh, Saturday, August the 27th, we've got the new moon in Virgo. Uh, and then we've got Friday, the 9th of September, 9-9, we've got Mercury turning retrograde at 9 degrees of Libra. And then on Saturday, the 10th of September, we've got a full moon in Pisces. So we really have like a full two weeks ahead of us. There's a lot of big shifts going on that are really meant to get us to look at our thought process. So let's start by looking at um, Taurus 19, which is the degree that um, Uranus is turning retrograde at. And uh, um, my computer bonging there. So the Taurus 19 degree, we're looking at the book Inside Degrees, and it says a remarkable instinct for the next lesson, finding it, learning it, and drawing everything out of it that you can. Specialized in destiny activation and interested in nothing else. Purposely driven to take up karmic lessons all the way. Wildly given over to what is taken on. Working the territory as hard as you can. Making way for something new by wearing out the old. Assigned to tough situations, yet knowing it is appropriate. Super strong and especially tenacious and relentless. In deepest essence, sacrificing yourself so that something can happen here that is going to take a lot of doing. And inside it all, you are curiously resigned to whatever arises. Not very concerned because long-range results mean everything here. And a moment's or a lifetime's discomfort is a small price to pay when destiny is truly involved. Does that sound familiar, y'all? It should, because that is also the degree um, that we had our um, 
uh, our uh, North Node Mars Uranus uh, conjunction at the very beginning of the month at. So here we are again. We're at this degree. This degree is being totally lit up. This degree is being totally um, integrated into our collective consciousness. So Uranus here, it's bringing us um, this flash of insight as to what to do about the next chapter of our lives, the next lesson. Um, it's uh, remarkable flashes of insights. It's being ingenious. It's eclipse type energy, right? It's flashing something in or out of our lives at remarkable speed. Um, and it's right. Whatever is going on in our lives, whatever things are being brought in or taken out, these are, this is right for the experience that we are in at the moment. And so, you know, this is our destiny. It's our destiny moment. And what we're claiming now is so important to our destiny. And this is, it's not new. It's not going to be all brand new. You already know what this relates to in your life. Um, because this is a story that has been in play. And you may have already started this uh, experience um, like a month ago, right? Um, so here we are. With the new moon on Saturday the 27th, it gives us an opportunity to really set intentions based on what we are just experiencing this week in, the, in whatever's coming to a head. So the new moon starts a new emotional story and it's one where we can really be practically focused. Um, so whatever that is in your life, uh, this moon is going to help you to really tap into that. And that's on sa Saturday the 27th. And I really would take the time to s write your intentions in a very organized, practical way. Okay, this is a good time for list writing. This is a good time for writing about money and budgets and what you need. This is a good time for writing about your schedule and what you need. Um, all those practical aspects, um, uh, Virgo excels at this health, healing, diet, service, um, all those themes are going to come up around the new moon for us to really set a new emotional story about. It's a wonderful time. So moving forward, you know, we are in the, um, two week window as of Monday, the 29th before Mercury retrograde starts. Um, actually, no, we're in the two week window as of uh, Friday the 26th of August. So then we get into Friday the 9th of September and we've got Mercury turning retrograde, nine, nine, and guess what degree? It's turning retrograde at nine degrees Libra. Nine, the number of completion of endings. Um, it is, um, just the fullness of life. It's about like appreciating everything that you've experienced, everything that has come before and an excitement for a new chapter. Um, it is about grieving as well. Um, but nine is typically a wonderful number. If six is like a really abundant number, it's, it's six and it's like in, in greater fullness. And when you look at the symbol of for nine, you can see kind of the six energy in there because it's kind of flipped up. It's like an upside down six. So this is just the appreciation of, um, you know, where you've come from, all of the wisdom, all of the knowledge that you've gathered 
But then it's also like, okay, but what's the next chapter all about? And what are my thoughts and the way that I'm communicating with myself ultimately, because that's the basis for communication with anybody else. What are these thoughts that I'm experiencing and um, what stays and what's got to go, right? And we'll find that in our relationships with others, people are an amazing mirror of what our real inner dialogue is. And situations are an amazing mirror. Um, so what are we creating from? What is the, in, the seeds and the wisdom in our minds that we're actually creating from? What are we calling energetically towards us? What's our vibration? And it's all based on our inner thoughts. So if every day I tell myself I hate my body, then the vibration around that is going to be um, a disdain from I'm going to feel that in all my experiences. I'm going to feel that in my relationships. So it's so important to understand what your repeat messages are that are constantly flashing through the mind that is the place to really consider making changes. And so this is the time to do it. And it's going to be coming to a head on 9-9, on Libra 9. Um, because the next day, Saturday the 10th, is a full moon in Pisces. So any way that you've been limiting yourself from your own infinite compassion uh is going to become magnified during this energy. And let's read about this degree. Libra 9. A cook fixing vegetable soup from a myriad of ingredients. If variety is spice, here we have the ultimate gourmet dish. Inner necessity dictates that you draw eclectically upon the broadest, most fantastic range of factors and facets you can possibly expose yourself to. By becoming fully conversant with myriad voices, you find the subtle edge between the universal self and your own evolving center. As you spread yourself thin and keep extending to the far horizon, the synthesis or blend grows richer and finer all the while. It is only by blending what has previously been polarized that you can begin to make your way. To be here for the changes and the mix is everything. To be here for the changes is everything very interesting um, degree here that we are asked to really consider our thoughts and our communication under that umbrella of this theme. Um, with the full moon the next day in a very, very sensitive place of Pisces, we may feel extremely sensitive. It's so important to tune into these emotions, to let these emotions out that we might be feeling, but without a narrative. You know, without the narrative of, I have to feel this emotion because of this, this, and this story and experience. Instead, just really feeling into the cathartic release of being present to the sensations in the body. You are feeling because you're alive and the body needs uh, to release in some way. Um, you know, every time we take a shit, we don't need a narrative about it. You know, we don't need a whole story about what we ate the day before and why it would be coming out at this time. And it's kind of the same way. I know that's a very crass uh, uh, um, way to put it, but the body needs its release. It needs to have a sensory release. And that's what our emotions are very good at knowing how to do. It's the mind that is always trying to evade that. You know, we try to evade it with spirituality, with mental gymnastics, with whatever kind of distractions. The body knows what to do. 
Um, and so it's up to us to really help to um, help in the unpatterning of letting ourselves feel what wants to come forward, whatever it's grief or sadness or joy or whatever, letting that come forward in a full-bodied manner without trying to limit it with our mental hang-ups. So this is an emotional time. It's a frustrating time. You know, Mercury retrograde is frustrating in that we're asked to review things and not everything that we're reviewing is going to be something jolly old uh, happy thoughts. You know, we're reviewing the end of a chapter, the end of a story, what we're taking with us, what we're not for all of us. There will be areas where we need to bring more beauty into our lives, where we need to be more diplomatic, more of a win-win solution uh, person, more open-minded. This is true for all of us, where we need to have a lot more compassion for ourselves in order to have more compassion for others as well. And if we have areas where we are not compassionate to ourselves, we can be sure that that plays out in our relationships with others as well. So this is really an opportunity for such growth in the realm of beauty because Libra is all about beauty and Pisces is really the higher octave of beauty in that it's the beauty of the connection of all that is where we really are in acceptance and we're in unconditional love. And that's like the highest form of, of beauty that there is. So we really are considering how to let more beauty into our lives. It's an unpredictable time right now with the Uranus retrograde. Um, it is a time of uh, being certain about uncertainty, you know, that everything is sort of in motion. We need to be patient because we are in a, a period, we're in a nine month that is all about endings and new beginnings at the same time. So we're not necessarily feeling shot off in some new direction quite yet. We're still kind of one foot in one world, one foot in the other. So how are you going to work with this Mercury retrograde? How are you going to get organized too to create more beauty in your lives? Uh, for me, I'm a Venus in Virgo. Um, and so what I need to feel love and, and to be loving is to be organized and to be connected to my body in a very practical way and to be of service. And so I think to, I would think to your Venus um, and to where Libra is in your chart and where Pisces are in your chart uh, as to kind of how to work with this energy. You know, you want to work with um, whatever planets Libra and Pisces are ruling in your chart, whatever house um, that's where you're going to feel this energy the most, um, as well as Taurus, actually, because of the Uranus and Taurus. But really, wherever Venus is in the chart, uh, we're going to feel, you know, that's where we have solutions. That's the antidote, right, is to really be acting in the highest, in the highest uh, regard in terms of how you show and receive love, which is going to be to do with your, your Venus, what your love language is. And that'll be the best areas for you to kind of bring in the positive attributes of that uh, energy. All right, my friends. Well, I am on my way um, to Kingston and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, 
all of my clients there this weekend. Um, I'm wishing you such um, blessings over this like portion of time. Um, remember to really bring your self-care and your self-love into the practical physical realm. Um, this is so important to be in service to what you eat and how you rest. Um, your human body needs to be honored and accepted for the fragile uh, carrier that it is. Um, yes, you're capable of this vast connection to the infinite and this beautiful, powerful inner being that you are um, is vastly connected in the spirit realm. But we also need to honor that the physical body is not there. It's here in this experience. And there are certain things that we need to do to ensure its welfare and its comfort. So make sure that you're spending time uh, really organizing around your own practical self-care. Sending you a lot of love, and I'll speak to you next time. <laughs>